Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 30. Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 30. We are um, just a couple weeks from uh, Easter. And Easter being the single most important event in the history of the world, I would like to just kind of get your thinking in the direction of, of preparation to celebrate Easter. You know, it's kind of like we do with Advent and the birth of Christ and, and taking time to prepare to celebrate. Um, I'd like to kind of gear your mind in that direction towards Easter. And we're going to look at some, some familiar scriptures this morning, um, but hopefully bring something a, a little bit different out of them. Matthew chapter 26, we'll just read 30 through 35 and then we'll just see how far we get beyond that. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, again we humble ourselves before you to say thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to be gathered in your house. Father, we, we come this morning seeking what you desire for us to have and receive. Father, I just pray that you would open our hearts and minds to your word this morning. I pray, Father, that for each one of us you would block out the outside thoughts, that you would just have us fully and totally committed and concentrated to your word this morning. Father, we just ask for your continued guidance throughout our services. We pray, Father, that your will be done in all that we say and do. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, a kind of a uh, familiar story here that we're going to start out with. Um, and, I, and I just kind of want to set the stage, um, so to speak, and kind of give you a, a mindset uh, to where we're going to go just a little bit later. This is, this is the setting is the Passover. Jesus with the disciples, what has been come to be known as the Last Supper. Um, Jesus has just given instructions for the institution of the Lord's Supper. All of the disciples are, are gathered in. And Jesus tries to give them some insight, so to speak. And it says, after they had sung a hymn. So they were gathered together around the supper table. They, they've broken bread. And they've sung a hymn. And now they depart and go out to the Mount of Olives. And when they got there, Jesus said, You will all fall away because of me this night. Because of me, all of you will be scattered. All of you will fall away. And he says it, it's, it's prophecy. It's fulfilling prophecy. The, the scripture says, I will strike the shepherds and the sheep of the flock will scatter. And he's telling them, I'm going to be struck tonight as your shepherd, and you will scatter. And Peter, the voicey one, 
The one with the big mouth like me. The one that always has to speak up and can't keep his mouth closed. Peter. Peter goes, not me. Not me. The rest of them might, but not me. I'm not going nowhere, Jesus. I'm your man. I'm not going nowhere. They may scatter, but even if it means that I have to die with you, not me. Do you believe Peter believed what he was saying? I do. I think Peter was absolutely convinced that I am sold out, sold out solely to Jesus Christ to the point of death. Jesus, I mean, Peter believed that. He, when he said this, he really thought he could see in his mind that no matter what happened, he would never betray, he would never turn his back on Christ. Never. He really thought that. He really believed that. He really believed that he was exactly where he needed to be in his relationship with Jesus in order to take it to death. He believed that. Now, we know the rest of the story, right? Jesus goes on to tell him that before the rooster crows in the morning, before sunrise, so to speak, you will deny me three times, not just once but three times you'll deny me. Peter was convinced. How many of us are convinced that our relationship with Jesus is so tight that we would follow him even to death? That we, are, we have convinced ourselves that wherever you are in your walk, that it's great and it's good enough and it's in the right place. Peter was convinced he was sold out 110% to Jesus, and in his mind, even unto death, I would never deny you. All of these other guys may deny you, Christ, but I won't. And he was convinced of that, and he was, he, he was, his heart was set on that. You can hear it in it. He wasn't just speaking. He believed it. How many of us have that same mindset this morning? I'm sold out. I'm, I'm on board 110%. I'm exactly where I need to be. My relationship with Jesus is so tight that even unto death I would never deny Him. But when our feet are to the fire, what will happen? Will we, like Peter, deny Him? Now, I want you to understand something. If you continue reading this story and you follow this story of Peter, even though Jesus was right and Peter denied Christ three times, he did not discard him. Right? The next thing that happens is Peter realizes what's happened. He falls on his face. Right? And he cries out. And when he stands up, he tears into a preaching service. <laughs> that lasted a while, and thousands of people were saved. So I'm not telling you this morning that somehow you still have a choice in this. That if you find yourself in this place, you can still pick, get back up and go, okay, God, I get it, I see it. I'm still here, though. This scenario, this, this story, this, this um, event, speaks volumes into a lot of areas of our life. And it's applicable in so many ways. Time won't allow for me to cover them all this morning. But I wanted to start you with that this morning because here's what I want. I, I, this is My favorite time to preach is, is Easter. 
I don't always get to do that. We try to do our best to, to share that role, and this time Kevin's going to get that opportunity. Um, I, you know, it's a struggle to not be selfish at Easter. I'm just going to be honest. It's, it's hard, and it's hard for him just like it's hard for me. It's the hardest time in the world to sit in that pew as a pastor and listen to somebody else. But because I believe with all I've got in me, this is the single most important event in the history of the world. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ... We don't have a chance, all right? So my favorite sermon to preach on Easter is pay attention because Jesus told his disciples three times what was going to happen, that he would be handed over to the hands of evil men, that he would be killed, he would be buried, and three days later he would rise again. He told them three times face-to-face -face, directly to 12 men. You can say 11 because one of them wasn't listening no way. Of those 11, how many were standing outside the tomb on Easter morning when Jesus come out? None. These guys were sold out, right? These were Jesus' personal disciples. These were the guys that followed him throughout his ministry. They started out in a group of hundreds. It was narrowed down to 70s. It was narrowed down to 12. This is that 12. They heard him say it every time he said it. He said it directly to them. And out of three times that he told them, and them with all they had in them, knowing and saying inside of their heart, I believe every word Jesus says, he's my boy. <laughs> Not a single one of them stood outside that tomb looking for the third day. If it can happen to them, how many of us can miss it? How many of us can say in our heart that I know I'm sold out and I get it and I believe it and still not be walking it? You know what would have proved to me that those guys meant what they said? They'd have been standing there. Listen, it goes further than that. When Jesus does appear to the ladies and they do go back and find the disciples and, he, and they do tell them, they go, what? And they run back to the tomb and go, somebody stole his body. But never once did it enter their mind that Jesus had told them these things. Never once out of their sold-out heart did they think, hey, he arose. They were walking down, a couple of them were walking down the road going to Galilee and he walks up on them Un unrecognizable in some way I, I don't know exactly but somehow they didn't recognize exactly who he was and he started talking to them and he said what's wrong well our friend Jesus died and somebody stole his body and he goes no maybe he arose and they go no that didn't happen right so how many of us will miss these opportunities that will be presented to us a couple Sundays from now because we think we're sold out and we really ain't? Because we think we're in the right place and we say that the most important thing in our life is Jesus, but we'll stand in front of our families at gatherings all across this country and all across this town and not say a word about Jesus as we celebrate the day that he resurrected. Now how sold out are you really? How serious are you about it? Jesus, I mean, Peter thought in his heart he had it nailed. He told, he told Jesus, I, everybody else might, but I'm not going to deny you. And he believed that when he said it. So, all that being said and that scenario laid out in front of you, 
My goal this morning is to teach you how not to let that happen to you. There's a couple of things you can do to ensure that you won't be guilty of what Peter was guilty of. Now again, if you find yourself in that scenario, keep reading about Peter. God still used him in a mighty great way. He did not get discarded because he disappointed Jesus. Okay? So don't, don't get on your little pity pot of I can't hold up to the standard and I ain't going to make it kind of hoopla. We don't want to hear none of that. It's still possible. So keep reading with me. We're going to stay in Matthew. We're going to stay in chapter 26 and we're just going to continue in verse uh, 36. Remember, they've left the supper table. This conversation has taken place at the Mount of Olives, right? Pretty important place. You can do your little research on that. Pretty neat little study of the Mount of Olives and all the things that have taken place. This is one of the great things that took place there. In verse 36. Oh, wait a minute. No, no, I'm right. Verse 36. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him, look who he's got. Oh, Peter, right? Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. He began to be sorrowful and troubled. Now that speaks ball. I can't just read by that. Jesus began to be sorrowful and troubled. That's important that you see that so you can understand we're talking about a man. He's fully flesh. He has emotions. He experiences the same emotions and the same hurts and the same turmoil that you and I do. He had to do it that way. God had to come fully in the flesh in order to carry out what had to be carried out. So don't miss the fact that he was sorrowful and troubled. But what I want you to see is when he got that way, what did he do? Where did he go? How did Jesus handle it? Keep going with me. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Look at that instruction. Remain here. Now, now he's took all twelve, right? Now he's separated out three, right? Peter and who's the other two? Sons of Zebedee. Who is that? Somebody go quick. James and John. Peter, James, and John. That's his three. Now there's, there's, there's lessons in this too. There's no way I can cover all this this morning, but there's a lesson there too. He had, he had 12 disciples, but he had three that were involved in everything he did, and then he had one. You should have 12, three, and one. If Jesus needed that kind of support, you and I need that kind of support. So we, we've got the 12 at the Mount of Olives. We've taken three and separated them out. He stopped them three and said, you stay here and watch with me. Don't miss that instruction. And then Jesus goes on a little further. Okay, so there's some separation here between Jesus, the three, and the remainder. Okay, there's a little space there. Jesus goes on ahead of the three, ahead of the others. He goes on. Look what he does. Um, remember, his soul is very sorrowful, and he's given them the instructions to remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed. Jesus, 
fell on his face and prayed. Remember his soul was sorrowful? Remember he was a little troubled? And he separates himself and he falls on his face and prays. Answer me something, Christians. When was the last time you fell on your face and prayed? When was the last time that you as a Christian got on your face and cried out to God? Do you know why it's significant that he was face down? It's humility. It's humbleness. When was the last time that you who claim you are sold out to Jesus and would go even unto death replicated this image and got on your face and cried out to your God? See, these guys missed it. They missed a whole lot. Peter really thought he would never get caught denying Christ, and he did. And he actually spent time in this posture, and we can find examples of that. So how much more troubling is it going to be for you and I to continue with what we believe if we've never been in that posture? If we've never humbled our... If my Savior, God in the flesh, got sorrowful and had to get face down and cry out... Don't you think it's going to be in my life at some point I'm going to have to get face down and cry out? So why don't we? Why don't we? Because it's humility. And we're very proud people. And we don't want to see nobody let us nobody see us cry. We won't want to let them see our weakness. We don't want to let them see us face down to nothing. Yet that's exactly where God desires for us to be. That's where he does his biggest works in our lives is when we're all out and we're face down going, God, I can't take another step. I've went as far as I can go. Remember, in our weakness, he is right. It's his strength that comes out when we admit we have a weakness. But when we walk around here with our chest rolled out and our shoulders pulled back going, I'm right where I need to be. No, you're not. Even Paul said, I ain't got there yet. I have not yet attained. So every one of us as Christians ought to be looking for areas in our life that we can grow and it ought to be a daily search. And we ought to be able to admit that there's things in my life that need work. There's this over here that I need to be addressing. There's this thing I need to be addressing. I even had Montana come to me just a few weeks ago with a, with a thing that she'd been dealing with in her life and she was so broken. She couldn't even tell me what she needed to tell me. She couldn't speak. She was so broken. And part of it was the conviction that God had put on her heart, and part of it was the fear of how I would respond. But I sat and explained to her, Sister, I'm not going to respond in the condition you're in. I think you get it. And I think you understand that the most important thing is that God's happy with you, not me. You've already put yourself... Listen, when was the last time you were so broken over a sin in your life that you couldn't speak about it without just being distraught? You know why? Because we don't see sin for what it is. We rename it and it gets fuzzy and we just touch on it and rub on it so much we end up walking around with it in our possession all the time and forget that it's there. You know why? Because we won't call it what it is. We get comfortable with it. We rename it. And then we look at our life and can't see it anymore and go, nope, I ain't got nothing to work on. I'm right there with Peter. I I'll go even to death. 
you don't make it out the door, much less to death. You can't even stay awake to watch him pray, much less spend time in prayer yourself. And then we look around at society and go, what's wrong with them? I got an idea. They have no example. They have no foundation, and the ones that are standing on the foundation look just like them, and they go, don't need that. These, um, how, when was the last time that you fell on your face and cried out to your God? When was the last time that something bothered you so bad that your, your, your spirit was troubled? And you responded to it by crying out to God. We are so convinced. Listen, we live in a comfort-based society. There's two things that drive us further than anything else, and that's comfort and convenience. And if anything requires us to get out of comfort or it's not convenient, we're out. We really do live in a society that wants to pull up to the speaker, tell them what you want, go to the first window, give them your money, go to the second window, get you food, and be gone. And if it takes more than three minutes, we're irate. We'll pay six more dollars for a bottle of water because it was easy to stop and get it. Right? Convenience and comforts, that's where we are. And listen, as long as we live in that, as long as we reside there, it's hard for our minds to get focused on Christ. You know why? Because following Him is the opposite of comfort and convenience. If Christianity has brought you into convenience, I'm sorry, but you're not following Christianity. If your relationship with Christ is comfortable, I'm sorry, but I question your relationship. Because according to Scripture, it's about sacrifice and suffering. And it's hard for me to sell that. It's hard for me to, it's hard for me to convince you that this is something you need and should want. But I've got to tell you the truth about what Christianity really is. There's nothing comfortable about it. There's nothing convenient about it. Your relationship with Christ should cost you. Listen, these guys paid. They gave up everything they had to follow Christ. And still in the end, denied Him. They lost their focus right here at the end. I, I really believe with all I've got in me, the reason that Peter thought he, he had it whooped and the reason Peter could, could honestly say, not me, and he meant it. And the others, according to that scripture we read, the other disciples also, they said the same thing. And the reason they thought that is because they were in a great place with Christ. They were in a tight relationship with Christ. But when it came down to it, the two things they needed to be doing, they weren't able to do. Because, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Keep going with me. <clears throat> I, don't, I don't flip pages and get crossed up. Uh, verse 39. And going a little farther, he, Jesus, fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? 
Now, there's a bunch of stuff to pull out of what I just read. A lot, a whole lot. The first thing is, I want you to notice that Jesus' prayer was an honest prayer. He said, Father, if it is possible that I not have to drink out of this cup, if there's another way, let's do that. But if there's no other way, I'm going to do your will. What was in that cup that caused Jesus to look in it and go, if there's something else to drink, I'll take that? Sin. When was the last time you looked at sin to the point you said, I don't want any of that? We don't see it for what it is because we don't call it what it is. It don't, sin don't scare us. Skin, sin does not scare us. We walk around in it, bumping shoulders with it and touching on it to the, the point that it moves in our home and we don't even realize it's there. First thing we got to do is take sin serious. You got to see sin for what it is and it's destructive. And it's the opposite of what God desires for you. And it's so evil and so bad that Jesus looked at it and went, if there's some other way, because, see, he was fixing to go to the cross and he was fixing to take on the sin of mankind. He wasn't scared of death, right? There's no way he was scared. So it had to be sin. It had to be the fact that it wasn't suffering. He'd already suffered plenty, right? He wasn't scared of suffering. He was scared of sin. He, just, he did not want the sin. He, if there's any other way, but if there ain't some other way, your will be done and not mine. How many of us can honestly say that we walk in this earth going, God, I may not like it. No, we don't say that. You know what we say? I want it. It's, I, I deserve it. It's my right, God. You have to let me do this. This is what I want to do, and this is what I want. Don't we? Don't we stomp our feet and say that? Yes, we do. You don't have to agree with me for me to be right. It's true. It's what we do. We're selfish. We want it what we want. We want it now. Right? And we never look at God and say, just whatever you decide, God, I'm good with that. Because we're scared of what God... You know why? Because this gospel ain't about prosperity. This gospel isn't about comfort. This gospel is about sacrifice. So if we look at God and say, your will be done, not mine, we're scared of what that's going to look like. It terrifies us, yet sin don't scare us. <laughs> that is so backwards to me. That is so backwards to me, and it's how we get to the point where we could miss it, where we could spend our whole life, and then we stand in front of God and go, Lord, Lord, and Him look down and go, depart from me, I never knew you. It could happen. It's going to happen to a bunch of people. Listen to me, there's no way that you, you've, got, you've got to understand that Jesus has to be enough. Take all the frills away. Strip everything else off of whatever you think the gospel is. And a relationship with Jesus Christ has to be enough. Forget about your comforts. Forget about what you've been told. Forget about the traditions. Forget about the title on the sign. Forget about all that. And just get down to the bare bones. And a relationship with Jesus is all he has to offer. And eternity with your maker is all there is to offer. There's no other promise there. Now there's promises of, of, of rewards in heaven. And those will be there. 
But even without them, Jesus has to be enough. We have to get serious about our Christianity, our relationship with Christ, our relationship with our Father through Christ. We have to treat it like it's the most precious thing we have. Look at this. He takes these guys out here and says, y'all watch and pray. He goes over here and prays this prayer. He comes back and goes, what are you doing? Y'all are sleeping. Could you not pray with me for an hour? Could you not watch with me for an hour? You want to know what it's going to take for you and I to not miss it? You better watch and pray. Watch and pray earnestly. Not when it's convenient to you. Not when you're not too tired. Earnestly watch and pray. Focus and stay focused on Christ and Christ alone. He's got to be enough. Nothing else promised. He's got to be enough. And His desire has to be the most important thing in our lives. And listen to me, if you can't walk it outside the walls of these buildings, you can quit studying it. You can quit memorizing it. You can quit going to small group and talking about it. You can quit all that because this all comes down to your ability as individuals to carry out the gospel in your individual life. That's how we get families that carry out the gospel in households. And that's how we get churches that carry out the gospel in churches. And that's how we get communities that spread the gospel. And I can take you to the book of Acts where we studied in Sunday school this morning and show you the power of the gospel in a culture. But it does not happen us just talking about it. It does not happen us just listening to the, to the fuzzy little sermons. It don't even happen if you replay them 14 times on the internet during the week. It happens when you walk in it. It happens when you live it out. It happens when you stand out in the crowd because you don't look like the rest of the world because sin scares you and you don't want a part of it. That's where it comes from. Not from your ability to listen. Not from how many times you've read it. Not from how many books about it you've... They don't... None of that... I mean, all that's great if you're applying it. But if you're not going to apply it, You'd be better off to sleep in and not have to listen to me doing all this slobbering and screaming and carrying on. Because it comes down to your ability to apply it. And listen, if we ain't going to apply it, we're going to miss it. We're going to be like them disciples that weren't there on the third day. We're going to miss it. We're going to be like these three disciples asleep when Jesus said, watch. We're going to miss it. And we're going to stand before him and we're going to say, Lord, Lord, and he's going to say, I don't know you. Because a relationship with Christ doesn't lead me to false promises. The gospel of Jesus Christ leads me to a truth. And when we get down to the truth, we don't line up very well. Either we don't believe it or we don't care. That's what it comes down to. Either we don't believe it or we don't care. And I done shared that story in Sunday school. I'm going to stay away from it. Look at this. Verse 40. Uh, No, let's go to 39. Yeah, going a little further, he fell down. Okay, verse 40. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So you could not watch with me one hour? 
In verse 41, he says, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. You have a desire, but if you don't watch and pray, you can't do it. The desire is there. I, I see your desire. And he said, the spirit is willing. I see the desire is there, Peter. But the flesh is weak. And the only way you're going to overcome that is to watch and pray. Watch, watch Christ. Focus and pray. Focus on Christ. If we don't, we're going to miss it. And listen, the single most important event in the history of the world is about to be celebrated in a couple of weeks. We're going to have dinners, and, and we're even going to do our services early so nobody's held up here, and everybody can go and spend time with their families. And you know what our purpose for that is? It's so that when your family is gathered together, you have an opportunity to explain to them why we're here today. Amen? And now it's going to be messed up at my family. We're going to put my family and Amanda's family together, and they're going to do Nick's birthday and Easter together, and I'm going to have an opportunity I ain't never had before to stand up there and tell them, y'all, this ain't about Nick's birthday. I'm glad y'all was willing to come out here for that, but that ain't why we're here. We're here to celebrate something a whole lot bigger than old Nick. <laughs> and I can't wait. I'm excited about it because it's just another opportunity. But you've got to figure out your way. You've got to figure out what God has laid out for you so that you can stand in front of your family and go, Hey, guys, do you know why we're here? Do you realize this is the most important event in the history of the world? And then start the conversation from there. Every one of us has got family members that needs to hear that. For some of us, you don't see them no time, but thanks, I mean, uh, yeah, Easter, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. Boy, this would be a good one. You, you could hit them three times this year if you started on this one, right? But you know what? If you ain't ready, if you ain't watching and praying, you, you're not, you're not going to be able, you're going to do just like Peter and go, oh no, I'm ready, I'm ready, I got it. And then the next day you'll be walking around with your head down going, I'll let Jesus down again. Because you weren't prepared for it. You weren't ready for it. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Focus on Christ and pray. Pray for His strength. Pray for His guidance. Pray for His will above your will because let me assure you I know how scary it is to stand in front of people that don't believe in Jesus and tell them about Jesus especially people that I know are in my bloodline and I gotta face them I growed up with some of them whooping my hind end on a regular basis it scares me but it's gotta be done somebody's gotta do it it's a great opportunity look let's keep going here and see what we come up with And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so you cannot watch me for one hour. In verse 41, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Verse 42, again, for the second time, he went away, prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for a third time, saying the same words again, then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. 
three times, three times Christ went and prayed the same prayer. It wasn't a new issue. It wasn't something new. Nothing had changed in his first prayer, right? He went and prayed for the same thing, and he went and said the same thing. He had not gotten any response from anywhere. Everything was exactly as it was. Fell down on uh, the Savior of the world, God in the flesh, face down, crying out for an hour. <laughs> for an hour. If Jesus was so troubled that he prayed face down for an hour. When was the last time you spent an hour in prayer? Don't answer that. You're more likely to hear us complain about the length of somebody's prayer. That's the truth. Oh, I hope they don't call on Kevin to pray. Whew. I'm, hey, I'm being honest. Y'all can laugh if you want to. Listen, Kirby's the same way. Y'all sitting there thinking the whole, well, oh, don't call on Kirby, don't call on Kirby, don't call on Kirby. <laughs> right? That's the truth. It troubles us that somebody may pray too long. It bothers us more that somebody prays too long than it bothers us that we don't pray long enough. That's the truth. It's the truth. I don't have, you don't have to agree with me for me to be right. I know. It's the truth. I've been there. I've walked that. But my Savior, my Jesus, God in the flesh, fell on His face and stayed there for an hour. If somebody came to this altar today, I'm going to be uncomfortable if Chris is through playing and they ain't through praying. It's the truth. It should not be that way. And if they wanted to lay in here all day, we ought to just leave it open and let them lay here. Make sure the temperature is right so they don't overexert and fall out and all that stuff and let them be. It should not be odd for us to think of somebody praying for an hour. It should not be odd for us to think of somebody hitting their face and getting spread eagle on the floor and crying out to God. That should not, that should not be odd to us. It should be natural to us. But because we don't do it, it's odd. Amen? Y'all don't go out on me now. I'm still right. It's still truth. Watch and pray. The greatest opportunity that you're going to have all year long to share the gospel with people you love is coming in just a couple Sundays. Watch and pray. Be serious about your prayer life. Be serious about focusing on Christ. What's the best way for me to know what God desires out of any situation in my life? Well, for one thing, he wrote it down. <laughs> focus, focus. If you don't focus, you're going to miss it. And what's even worse is, see, if we can't take advantage of these little things and get focused enough to take care of these little things that come along, there's no way we can stay focused on what we need to stay focused on so that our relationship is rock solid and we won't deny Christ. We've got to get serious about it. We've spent the last, since probably December, I think Kevin started in December on, maybe even November, on Ephesians and, and walking worthy of our calling. How many of us have even given any of that a second thought? To walk worthy of your... Do you understand the importance of what he was trying to teach? For us to walk worthy of our calling? 
Do you understand how important it is that we watch and pray and Jesus not come walking by? I'm, listen, by the third, by, he didn't even wake them up the last time. You see that, right? The first time he woke them up and said, Peter, what are you doing? You couldn't even pray with me for an hour? I mean, come on, cuz. We're supposed to be homies here. What you doing? Over here snoring and I'm trying to pray. And he, and he wakes him up and says, now just, just hang in there. Pray with me. Watch with me. And he walks back off and he goes to the same prayer and he comes back and goes, Really? And the third time, he didn't, he didn't even wake him up before he went back the third time. He just let him sleep. And then he come back finally and woke him up and said, Listen, guys, y'all can sleep some other time. Y'all don't understand what's about to take place. And he had told them and told them and told them. It wasn't because they hadn't been told. It's because they wasn't paying attention. They weren't focused. They didn't believe it or they didn't care. Well, Brother Nick, you're being harsh. Well, okay. You don't listen to anything else. If I ain't hateful and harsh, you're going to get it, right? You see, that pulls you out of your comfort, right? And when you get pulled out of your comfort, you notice what done that. <laughs> because we live in that society. We're told everything that we deserve and what's rightfully ours and yada, yada, yada. You don't deserve nothing. You deserve the wrath of God. And one of these days, it's going to get delivered. And if you're not paying attention... At that time, you'll get what you deserve. I don't want to see nobody get what they deserve. I certainly don't want no part of what I deserve. And in order to avoid that, I'm going to watch and pray. It, it may take an hour. Right? But you know what's the first thing, first thing that gets sacrificed when we're short on time? Watch and pray. We'll make it up some other time, some other way. Because there's no immediate consequence. Like if you show up late for work, you're going to hear about that right now, right? Somebody's going to be standing there, hey, where are y'all being done? Right? But if you don't pray and you don't, you don't study and you don't, you don't focus, nobody's standing there going, there's no immediate consequence. But I can assure you the consequence for not watching and praying is huge. It's huge. Listen, you and I, as Christians, have got to be serious about the gospel. Obedience and dependence. We've got to figure that out somehow, some way. Watch and pray. Get prepared. Your opportunity's coming, but if you ain't ready, it's going to get by you. Your opportunity's coming, but it's coming quick. We're going to have a, an altar call, a time for prayer, a time for responding, a time for whatever God has spoke to your heart. We're going to do that this morning, and I encourage you with all I got in me to take advantage of it. And, and you're right, you can pray from where you're at. You're right, you can pray from home. You're right, but how's that working for you? Huh? How's that working for you? How often are you doing that? How do you stick to that? How's that going? So take advantage of this opportunity to get face down and cry out. And listen, if you, if you go long, we don't have to. We can all leave. Lock a door on your way out. You know, I mean, come on. Let's, let's be serious about it. Let's be serious about this. If it was important for, if Jesus, when he got troubled, fell on his face, surely the goodness is coming a time when I got to fall on mine. And I can assure you, I've been on mine countless times. Face down, crying out. And I ain't above it again tomorrow if that's what's necessary. I, I highly encourage you to respond to whatever God has laid on y'all's heart. 
Rise and let's sing.